Hello and welcome to the Rugby Show here on the 42.ie coming at you live from our newsroom here in Dublin. My own name is Gavin Casey and I'm joined once more by this week a very happy Cork man, just as I am myself, Mr yes. Eddie O'Sullivan, how are things? Good, good Gavin. A fine weekend wasn't it? It was indeed, yeah. by all the boys in red came through. All the boys in red came through. <laughs> we are here to reflect not on Cork's monster final victory but the Lions third test. Uh, it was supposed to be a decisive third test. Uh, only that it wasn't, Eddie. A bit of a surreal finish, a climax to an otherwise entertaining tour. Yeah, it, <coughs> there's a lot of good things over the Lions tour, but probably the most anticlimactic part was the finish, like a draw, um, which is kind of, nobody's happy with that. You know, I think the Lions in the end were defending their goal line were happy to get out of there with the draw, but stepping back from it, you know, you'd feel like there must be some outcome to these events. They're so big in every other tournament whether it's the World Cup or the Six Nations, whatever, we have a way of separating the teams one way or the other. And once you lay that out at the beginning, everyone understands it, then you stick to that. But I think nobody thought about this on the final whistle, and then everyone was looking at each other going, well, what do we do now? So it was a bit of an anticlimax, but you know, either way it doesn't take from what the tour achieved or what the tour got done, and I think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't think it, it was the magnanimous success, a phenomenal success everyone thinks it was and I think it turned out maybe a lot better than people expected when we sat down the first day to look at it. Yeah, big time. I, I suppose uh, throughout the course of our conversations we've been a little bit careful with, with um, being too optimistic about the Lions going into certainly the second and third tests and both of us probably felt, uh, and, and you made the point that like with 15 men the All Blacks should get the job done really in the third test. It didn't transpire that way what did the Lions do right? <laughs> like, how did they cope against 50 men so much better than they did in the first test? And I suppose, conversely, where did it go wrong for the All Blacks, who were meant to be this yeah. all-conquering team? There was probably three things that undid the All Blacks last weekend. If, they, if you look at it from where they'll sit down and say, well, what went wrong here? How come we didn't win the third test? Um, there's probably three areas. One was, which is very unlike them, is they, they butchered some really good chances. Uh, they had nine line breaks. Um, Normally for the All Blacks, they score five tries from line, nine line breaks. That's just the way they operate. Their, their precision on the line breaks, which you saw probably the two tries they got were well executed, <coughs> but they had another two or three really good chances that they left behind them, which were game changers. So they'll look at that and go, like, that's not on. And it's generally not on with them. They do take those chances. The second thing, again, the same old, same old came back. Borden Barrett couldn't make his kicks. He didn't get too many opportunities, but he missed a very kick of a conversion and a very kick of a penalty. And that, at the end of the day, could have been the difference. And then the third one is, which is a bit of a problem for them for right now, is their, their discipline. They had nine penalties to the Lions, five. Some of those penalties were just innocuous, silly penalties. Um, one before half-time, um, like one of the centres ran around, like, I'm not sure which one, picked the ball up at the back of the ruck, like a schoolboy error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three points. Then even Kieran Reid, the start of the second half, first minute, the ball's on the halfway line, the ruck's on the halfway line. He plays Liam Williams through the rock and throws him on the ground and thinking, oh well, referee gives a penalty, Elliot Daly hammers it over in 50 odd metres. Like, innocuous penalties like that. And then, of course, you know, did a yellow card again. Um, Jerome Kano, careless tackle, gets 10 minutes in the bin. And people say, well, oh, the Lions kept it to three points in that 10 minutes, or, or the All Blacks kept the Lions yeah. to three points. Fine, but... The other side of it is the All Blacks weren't going to score during that 10 minutes. They were trying to keep the score down. So if, if they look at it across a range of things, missed opportunities which they created, missing their kicks at goal, and their discipline let them down. If they'd fixed even one of those, they might have won the game. Having said that, the line side of it, um, what you have to show 
in, in the last two tests in particular, the line showed tremendous character. Like, the, the, the series was slipping away from in the second half, in the second test. In fact, for me, the turning point in the whole series was halfway through the second half, uh, the lines were onto the pump, and Bowden Barrett put through a phenomenal grubber kick for Kieran Reid. Into the left-hand corner, wasn't it? Unfortunately, it went into the corner, and Elliot Daly won it, the race. Had that gone straight down the middle, I think Reid was under the sticks, scored a try, I think that was it. But that turned the game, the Lions came back, and from kind of everyone thinking, oh no, here we go, they turned it round, they got two tries, won the series, or won, the, won, the, won the test game, put the whole series back in the hopper. And then last weekend, they hung in there as well. They kept hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there. Uh, Farrell was extraordinary, his kicking was phenomenal, and in Daly as well, that, that corker from that distance. And they just took advantage that the, the All Blacks didn't deliver, and they got them. And I suppose the big talk of my dad is, the penalty that wasn't a penalty, that was a scrum. I mean... Where do you go with that, like? Look, we're all delighted the Lions won, but that was a shocking decision by the referee. Like, it's one thing <coughs> if a referee makes a bad decision, stops the game, looks at it and goes, I got that wrong, this is the right decision. Yeah. He did the opposite. His gut instinct was the right instinct. It was a penalty. Any day of the week, that's a penalty. Then he backed his way out of it. <coughs> The way to look at that is, like, we might all go, oh, well, you know, that's the way it goes. It shouldn't go that way because if it was reversed, if that was the All Blacks give up that penalty and he backed his way out of it and the Lions lost the chance to win the series, we'd be jumping up and down for days. So I think, in fairness, Hanson was very classy after. He didn't go after that. But to me, that was huge, a massive call. And how referee of his experience talked his way out of the right decision to make the wrong decision is beyond me. No, it's, I think that's the, the main question here. It's kind of beyond everybody because even when you review the footage, I would have imagined that Sam Warburton might have had a couple of whispers in his ear that might have influenced him. Now, I know you'll maintain that it shouldn't matter. shouldn't matter. No matter. But he didn't even. You no, know? He, he, how he got to a place where he thought, I can't give a penalty here, it's an accidental offside. After, you know, he played the ball, he caught the ball. And then he dropped it like it was about to detonate because he knew he'd made the mistake. <laughs> and then to say, well, that was accidental. Like that, by, any, by any standard, that's a dreadful scene. And that did decide the series. Now, Barrett had to kick it and he had missed a couple. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel that might have gone through, you know. But here's the other thing you have to say, though. <clears throat> Let's say he gave the penalty like he should have and Barrett kicked it and the Lions lost the series on that. You know, I think we shouldn't <clears throat> get carried away one way or the other. We should look at the narrative on the overall. I, we drew the series, I don't think we were as good as maybe we're telling ourselves. I think we did a lot of things right as the Lions to get stay in the series, but I think the All Blacks will look back and say that they let it slip. Mm. They will look at that. At the same time, had Barrett got the penalty and kicked it and the All Blacks won the series, we would have to say the Lions achieved a lot in the series. You know, They did put the brand back in the, in, on the map in terms of competing with the best team in the world. Uh, so there was a lot of good there, but it's not all uh, as outstandingly brilliant as some people would have you believe. Yeah, but I guess probably a little bit better than we might have believed coming into it. Of course, because <clears throat> I think, again, if you look at it, and, and you can say the All Blacks, they had a number of injuries in their back line. That didn't help them. No, that's life in the fast lane. Yeah. You've got to deal with that. And they didn't deal with it very well. Their place kicker didn't come through. Barrett didn't deliver. And I have a feeling, on a, you know, a, a segue is that they need another playmaker in their midfield pretty soon. Uh, like the they, Yeah, like Conrad Smith. And the solution there could be Bowden Barrett. He could play so 12. So you put Cruden 10 
and no. Barra 12? Yeah, sorry, there could be Geordie Barra. Geordie Barra, right, okay. Uh, Broden Barra 10, Geordie Barra 12. So the two Barras can play first and second 5 eight. And I think then they have a place kicker or quality in Geordie Barra. So that might be something, that's just a notion I have that might work better for them because Maybe having a word they, they, haven't, they haven't delivered the same midfield potency that they had over years with Nanu and with Conrad Conrad Smith. Smith. And Conrad Smith was a key guy there as a playmaker. He was an incredibly intelligent footballer. So going forward, they're going to have to find that solution there that when, when Crotty is out, what are they going to do for another playmaker? Because they keep the ball in hand so much that it's very hard to deliver you know, the perfect game plan of one playmaker all the time. Mm. And if you know it's that playmaker, you can put certain things in place. But that's a bit of a segue. But having said that, Barrett didn't deliver in the kicking stakes and their discipline, a red card and a yellow card, and a lot of silly penalties in the last test cost him. So they would probably look at it and say they didn't play to par. Um, but you look at the other side and the Lions did a lot of things right. They got their selection right. I think the first selection was good. The adjustments Warren Gatlin made with Toje. Uh, and Warburton paid dividends as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the selections were good. The team played with a lot of heart, a lot of spirit. They hung in there when things were going wrong, and they 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 made the best of a bad situation a few times, and they they earned they earned the draw, albeit by somewhat default, but they got there. And as a Lions as an entity, I think going to New Zealand, we we didn't give them a lot of chances, but they hung in there and got you know a pretty decent outcome at the end of it. And I think they have to get credit for that as well. Yeah, I mean, one man who's, who's going to get a lot of credit, and it's maybe debatable how much he, he, he warrants, but Warren Gatland, for him, it's, it, the tour comes as a, probably a bit of a vindication given some of the, uh, the naysayers' <laughs> attitudes towards him, and even in New Zealand. Well, I think most of the naysayers were, were in New Zealand. Do you I think? I think so, yeah. I think, which always happens. Like, they pounded the lard out of, out of uh, Clive Woodward in 2005, and, you know, he didn't help himself with, with the way he set things up. Uh, with Alistair Campbell and stuff, but all that, they do that, like I've been to New Zealand and they do pound you if you give them an opportunity. So he was always going to get extra special treatment being a New Zealander, you know. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if he handled it the best at times, he probably should have probably kept it down a bit, and we said that, but at the end of the day, he got the result, like he got, he got the draw, and he gets credit for that, and it was a very harmonious tour. Hmm. You know, fellas looked like they were enjoying themselves, which is a hard thing to do on a Lions tour when you've got a huge number of players. Uh, he justified his <coughs> bringing 41 players. I still don't think he can stand over the, the ge Geography 6 still. I don't think that's a good idea. If, if, he had it band, back, I'd say. if he had it back, he wouldn't have done that. But look, you know, you're nitpicking. I mean, it was a harmonious tour. They played very well. They rode their luck a bit, but they got a good result at the end of it. So. Like those tours in New Zealand, as we saw, no five can go horribly wrong, and you don't get anywhere near it. And it wouldn't be the first time a Lions tour has gone under early doors in, in New Zealand. So, yeah, he's achieved a lot in that respect, um, and you have to he has to get credit for that. But I think, by and large, the worst of treatment he got was from New Zealand, the New Zealand media, because that's where they that's where they roll when you're down there. Like they're very protective of their of their team, and. Um, Certainly, a lot of it was extremely harsh and unnecessary. I mean, but I guess they probably felt comfortable in doing it, given that he is one of their own. More so, I, than I think they would have done it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> ever. You know, they, they are they are very protective of the All Blacks. Like, ironically, they can be hypercritical of the All Blacks, mm. whether it's them, but nobody else is allowed to be. <laughs> so, it's not least Claire yeah, McNamara yeah. had an article dedicated to, her, of course, for a simple post-match interview with with Steve Hansen after that November test. So, so like, but that's the way it is. Look, look 
I've been in New Zealand many times and it's a tough place to tour, but that's it's just you don't get hung up on that. That's the way it is there. They're gonna give you a hard time. Um, they're gonna root for their team, the media, and that's just the way it is. So but I, I think all that was took up a lot of column inches unnecessarily because it was it was interesting stuff at the front end of the week. When you got to the business end of the of the week where the game was played, I think the Lions did very well. There was one stage there where we thought that they might really struggle yeah. week to week, but they got some big results uh, against the bigger franchises and then, you know, recovered after a pretty disastrous first test. They looked like they were in big trouble to eke out the win and then, you know, rode their luck a bit but got the draw. So, look, you have to give credit where credit is due. But it wasn't the greatest test series of all time. I'm not buying into that by any stretch. It was interesting. It's exciting, but it wasn't the greatest test series of all time. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, there's probably a couple of people who, who maybe would agree with that, um, depending on which channel you're, you're watching it, I guess. But uh, there's a question here from Brian Midlennon. He was wondering, is Warren Gatlin the man to take them to South Africa in four years' time? Yeah, of course. Why not? I mean, he's done Australia. He's done New Zealand. Why not South Africa? South Africa is not as tough as New Zealand. Um, but I suppose we don't know how tough it's going to be in four years' time yeah, either. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like it's... It, it's kind of a bit premature because four years time who knows where anyone will be um, but as of this moment in time if you'd go to South Africa in the morning yeah of course he would uh, would he would he be willing to do it again I mean it is an enormous pressure I think pressure. he would because to, you know yeah he would I think for I'm not only guessing but I, yeah. I would say I'm not trying to talk on his behalf but I think he would because he won the series in Australia and they probably didn't get a lot of credit for that because Australia are not what they used to be he had drawn series in New Zealand, so if he'd go to South Africa and win a series in South Africa, which the Lions could do, it depends on where South Africa are in four years' time. You know, if it was this year that they probably won a series in South Africa because they're kind of trying to find themselves still. Yeah. But in four years' time, who knows South Africa would be? They maybe won the World Cup or they could be in a different place. But yeah, he'd, he'd take that on. He'd have to take it on. I can't imagine he wouldn't want to. Where does he stand in the sort of pantheon of coaches at the moment? He's, he's, so, he's a divisive figure for some reason, and very often that sort of criticism was spilled into his coaching as opposed to him as a person. But you can't really argue with his record now. Can no, you? his record's outstanding. But what people mistake is that, that because he irks people at times in the way he says things in the media or the way he challenges people, they mistake that for the person. Now, there's a bit of his personality in it, but I think ultimately... He also likes to play a few games and he knows he'll get a reaction. So he, that's the way he rocks. And people know we're disappointed if he doesn't <laughs> say something, you know. But that has nothing to do with what he's achieved, you know. His achievements stand on their own. Um, same with Wales, same with the Lions now. So, yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he's, he, has, he has established himself as, like, I mean, if you think about it, uh, the, Ian McGeekin, who was the kind of the Lion King, in, you know, for years as somebody who's been involved at Lions as a player, as a coach, had great success. Warren Gatlin is in that that, that sphere now as well. Obviously, after after two Lions tours uh, as head coach, uh, a win and a draw. I don't know if anyone's done that as a Lions uh, as a Lions head coach. Yeah, will he be as willing to do those montages set to slow instrument instrumentals though? Is the real question four years down the line. I can't wait for Gatlin to be wheeled out every four years and uh, really get the we'll juices see. flowing. <laughs> Uh, Connor Lennon has a question here. He says, given the injuries to Payne, Henshaw, O'Brien and Sexton, what kind of shape are Ireland in for November in the Six Nations? Yeah, it could be tricky. For the, I think the Six Nations will be alright because I think they'll be back, but the, the autumn could be a tricky one. And I remember back in 05, we lost to Driscoll with the shoulder yeah. blowout and we lost uh, O'Connell with a back injury at the start of the season. And they went, we went to that autumn series in 05 without the two of them, which was 
hugely uh, disruptive and we got we got hammered by we played the All Blacks uh, in 05 and they wiped us out but these guys may not be around and Ring Rose as well is looking like he's definitely going to miss the autumn so yeah. it's it's slim pickers in the middle of the field at the moment um, so there could be issues there um, in terms of I think you're playing South Africa, Argentina and Fiji. Uh, certainly does Argentina and South Africa would be two big tests. Where we go in the for a lot of the young guys though? Yeah, that's, everyone says that's great and you lose. <laughs> 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 uh, like, yeah, of course, yeah, but co of course it's an opportunity, but like, like every national coach, when you're going into those games, you pick the best team available to you because you want to win. You give yourself the best chance of winning. If your hands are tied with injuries, then you go to the next man up and that's you go, yeah, it's great to give them experience, but until they lose. And then people are pounding you for losing, as we find out. But I think Joe Schmidt will have to play the hand he's dealt in the autumn, but it could be a weak hand in the middle of the field. Um, depending, I suppose, particularly on, on Sexton, how he comes out of it. But certainly, I think uh, Henshaw, uh, Ringrose are in trouble, and Payne could be in trouble. Who knows with those migraines, how long that lasts. Uh, so the midfield thing could be up in the air, which is not a, not a great thing. But I suppose if it means you'll have him back for the, for the spring, for the Six Nations, I think any coach would say, all right, I'm going to have problems that we have it in the autumn and let, let the ship be righted in, in the spring. That's when it's more important. Yeah, for sure. Are, are there any Irish players who emerged from this tour maybe with a little bit more credit than they had when they went over there? I'm thinking back to 2013, how... Conor Murray went on to become probably the best scrum half in the world and it seemed to be the Lions tour which was the catalyst in him yeah. kicking on. Well, I think Conor Murray copper fastened his position as the best scrum half in the world. I mean I, got, I know I got a bit of flack for saying that because you know people talking about Aaron Smith and that but I, I just say go back to Chicago you know there was tail to toe that day even in the second test you know now you know Paranara come on but I think Murray has copper fastened himself you know into rugby history in, our, in Ireland as the probably you know at the moment the best scrum half in the world and who will argue after that that he's not right up there um, I think to be fair Johnny Sexton like a lot of us are worried um, him going out on that tour his form wasn't great at the end of the season uh, we were worried that you know the, the, the physicality of that tour whether he'd come through it intact but he's, he's more than come through it he's, now he's picked up an injury again ironically at the very oh, end yeah. but in terms of his performance I think he's delivered um, Sean O'Brien back to his best if he can stay healthy but then he's injured again now um, I probably uh, Ian Henderson. We probably had hoped might get a better shot. I think he did. I think you can't blame him. I thought he delivered brilliantly. Um, he just didn't get the nod into that back row. It was very competitive, but in fairness, he pushed all the right buttons. Uh, Tyke Furlong was outstanding. I thought right through. You know, he went out. A lot of pressure on him. He was the heir apparent, yeah. and he delivered. So I think yeah, the Irish lads have delivered well over the over the course of the tour. And I thought Rory Best. You know, probably if he didn't start the test, I felt he deserved a shot on the bench for one of them. You know, but uh, I feel bad that he didn't get that. But you know, I don't think he done it to side down at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like for the lads, say then that didn't quite figure in the test or only um, had fleeting appearances. You think of Peter Romani capturing the first test. He doesn't feature in the second mm -hmm. two. Uh, CJ Sander kind of cameo appearance towards the end. Uh, do the you mentioned Henderson there as well? Do these guys then come back from a Lions tour and feel as though they have something to prove on an international front, particularly against Wales, for example? I don't think so. No, I don't think they get hung up on that. I think they're professional guys. They, they know they know that you go out on a Lions tour and there's forty odd guys on the squad and only fifteen get picked to start. So the odds are against you. You know, mm. like they're not in your favour making it. You can be unlucky with an injury, as you saw with Jared Payne. Um, 
you can be lucky with an injury as we saw with some other players or you can just not get the nod for whatever reason the coach you feel you should be in so there was a you run the gauntlet in that but these guys go having been on the Lions tour play for the Lions you are a Lion now so you don't have anything to prove I think they'll come back now and what I've always found with players whether it's coming from their provincial camp into Ireland or going from an Irish camp into a Lions and back is they just change hats they just do it as professionalism um, they just put on their Irish hat in November, they put on their Munster hat in September or their Leinster hat or whatever and they, that's what it's about for them, you know. And they stay in that kind of focus zone because ultimately it's their job and ultimately their job is, you know, measured on their performances. Yeah. So if you're going to let your head kind of spin out of control, like you're thinking the lines when you're playing for Munster or you're thinking of Munster when you're playing for Ireland, it never works out well. So these guys are so professional, they just go from one job to the next job and they do the best job they can wherever they are. So I, I don't think that's an issue at all, and I, I think the next time we play Wales, it won't make any difference. Fair enough. Uh, there is uh, a couple of questions here actually about Ireland's midfield as we were talking about it. Um, who is asking? Aidan McCabe asks, what about Bundy Aki for the Irish midfield in November? I mean, he actually could feature by default now, the way things are going, I guess. Yeah, he's in the hopper, yeah, as I say, because he's, he's qualified and he's playing with Connacht. A lot will depend on his, his form now. For the first few months, you know, like in fairness, what Joe Schmidt can't do next November is start picking guys in reputation. Even if there's injuries, he's got to pick what he believes are the form guys, the mm. guys who are going to go out and play, play well. Um, and you know, if he delivers for Connacht, then he he will. If his next man up, he'll get the shot. But it's up to him now to put that on the table for Joe Schmidt. Right, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Um, I wouldn't be picking him now because you know he had a great season last year. That's not how it should work or how it does work. Um, so he's got to deliver that. And, and I'd say like the young, there were some young guys in the Tour of Japan this year that did well. Um, you have Chris Farrell coming over from France as well. Yeah, all those guys. Mix. But I, I think, to be honest, let's, let's not get away from the fact that if everyone's available for South Africa and Argentina, he would pick his best team because there are games you want to win, and there are games you have to win if you can. Fiji is the one he probably has a little rigour room, which you do in a, second, a tier two nation. But he may not have a full deck to play with because you have the injuries now, who guys who may not make it back. And we still have the fr front end of the season, including Europe, which is often has its, its uh, casualties as well. Yeah, speaking of Europe actually, and maybe this is an old fashioned question, but sometimes worth asking, I think. There's always be perceived to be a gap in quality between the two hemispheres. Did this Lions tour, given that New Zealand are this all-conquering team, prove that that gap is narrowing slightly, in I suppose in terms of individual player ability as opposed um, to teams? I, I think, well, the short answer is yes, the gap is narrowing. Um, but it's probably been narrowing for a while, you know, if you go through to the last World Cup even, you know. Um, yeah. Like, I think the gaps are closing. And the problem, probably, in looking at that is New Zealand are a little bit separate than everybody else. You know, let's be honest, they are a cut above. So it's kind of like Northern Hemisphere, Southern yeah. Hemisphere of New Zealand. Yeah, they, they, are, they are the best team in the world and have been. And going back to the Lions series, I think they would, they'd be kicking themselves. They didn't deliver it as they wanted to. It'd be interesting to see how they go in the Rugby Championship in the summer now. Mm. You know, how they deliver over that tournament. So, yeah, I think New Zealand are a cut. But... South Africa have been through their problems. I mean, it's not impossible to beat South Africa in the last couple of years. They think they've turned the corner. You know, they've beaten France three times, but hold on a minute. Like, that's not a benchmark, I think, in beating France at the end of their long season at home in South Africa. So I think there's something to prove there. And by all 
accounts, Australia are in a bad state at the moment. You know, they lost to Scotland, they fell across the line against Italy. Uh, they're probably, for whatever reason, at their weakest at the moment uh, as a, a tri-nation. So um, the gap is closing, but maybe not because we're getting so much better, but other teams are coming back just a bit, or a bit of both. Okay, fair enough. Well, that um, offers some hope for uh, November anyway, depending on how Ireland's midfield shapes up. That is all we've got time for here on the Rugby Show on the 42.ie. Well, thanks to you, Eddie. As per usual, we'll speak to you soon. Uh, thanks to you guys at home who uh, have followed our coverage throughout the Lions Tour. Uh, we'll be back again, no doubt. Uh, and actually, a special thanks to the people from New Zealand who've been tuning in and commenting, saying um, they've, they've enjoyed it. It's pretty cool to have those guys on board as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, have a good couple of weeks, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Until then, take it easy. <laughs>